to it. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the anointing. We know the word is anointed already. And we ask you, Lord, that you would cause your anointing, your presence, your spirit to rest upon us for me to deliver this message and for all of us to hear what you say. We thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you that the eyes of our understanding are going to be opened and enlightened, that we would know those things from the word that we need to know and understand tonight. We thank you, we praise you, and honor you for this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Before I get into the message tonight, I do want to say thank you for all of you who have blessed us this month and Pastor's Appreciation Month and honored us and given to us and sowed into us and kind words and encouraging words and wonderful cards and all. we just thank you so much. You're so generous and such a wonderful group of people. And uh, you know, our best is yet to come. The best days are ahead of us for all of us. And I believe that's true not only of the church, but that, that also if we'll take hold of it and receive it and walk in the light of it, it'll be true for us <coughs> individually as well. Praise the Lord. So tonight I want to ask you, if you will, please, to open your Bibles to the book of Hosea. That's in the Old Testament, of course. Hosea chapter number 4. And um, if you have a problem finding this particular passage, it's page 1073. So I know that helps you a lot. It's right after Daniel. Uh, Hosea chapter 4. And we are talking tonight, again, on the topic of divine healing. But I want to talk about roadblocks or barriers to healing that must be removed in order for us to receive. These are very simple. Uh, what I'm going to talk about tonight is not going to be totally new to anybody probably. But it's important for us to remember these things because we need to make sure that we don't allow anything to keep us from that which God has provided. One of the things we've already learned in this study is that healing is a redemptive blessing. It was bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. He became what we were so we can be what he is, accepted, righteous, and healed and blessed, a part of the family of God. And so therefore, we can um, receive healing, and that's really what it's about. It's about receiving. It's not trying to talk God into it. And it's not about earning it. It's not about deserving it. Uh, you'll never do that. None of us will. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be worthy enough in your own strength and your own ability to put God in the position of being your debtor. But you can position yourself to receive what God has for you. Last week we learned, of course, that the miracle equation is faith plus power. You can have faith, but you need power to bring to pass what your faith is believing for. Power can be manifested, and it can do much. But if there is no faith on a personal level, you either won't receive through the power, or what you may receive in a situation, you probably won't keep. And so we're told, you know, in the word, hold fast that which we have. We're told to hold fast our confession. So there is a fight to faith. And the reason there's a fight to faith is because the devil wants you not to receive from God. He doesn't want your life to be a testimony. He doesn't want you to be a walking billboard for God. He doesn't want people to look at your life and say, I want what they have. I want, would like to be like they are. 
He wants people to look at you and say, I don't want what they've got. We just won't bother with that. No, so the devil has an agenda, but God has a better agenda. Praise the Lord. Faith plus power equals miracles. Let's say that together. Faith plus power equals miracles. And so we're, we're always about building our faith, using our faith, exercising our faith, and we're always about being open to, receptive to, doing things that help to make way for the power of God to manifest because that's the way to miracles. Now, I have three roadblocks tonight that I want to talk to you about. I have a few minutes, and I think we can uh, maybe get them all in. If not, there's another Wednesday coming, I guess. Uh, but we will start with the very first one, and that is one of the great hindrances, and I found that this is probably one of the biggest ones, is not knowing the will of God on this subject in your life, for you individually. Most Christians believe, if they're Bible believers, they believe that God is able to do anything that's good. They believe that He can, and they believe that He has, and they believe that He does heal the sick miraculously. But you have to move your faith from the general to the specific if your faith is going to work for you. It's not just what God did for so-and-so. And I love testimonies. I love to hear people talk about the miracle working power of God. And we all enjoy that encouragement that comes from someone's testimony. But the Bible doesn't say that faith comes by listening to other people's testimonies. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Testimonies encourage us to step out with our own faith. Testimonies encourage us to, to uh, anchor our hope for more. That if God will do for one man a certain thing, he will do it for another man or a woman or, you know, whatever. And so we know, we know that testimonies are important, but you know also what happens when, those, when that happens. If you're in a physical battle... You know, and you probably, all of you maybe have experienced this, you hear a testimony or multiple testimonies of God's great miracle healing power, the devil immediately tells you, but it's not going to work like that for you. He tells you, you're the one that's not going to get it. You're the one that's not going to be healed. You're going to die. You're going to, you know, whatever. You're going to suffer. And so we have to personalize our Bibles. What do I mean by that? Well, we have to take it, and as we read it, we have to understand that this is God talking to me. I know he's talking to you too, but when I open my Bible and I read my Bible, that's God talking to me. Now, I want to show you the danger, the problem uh, of not knowing the Word of God on this subject. Let's go to Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, as we said a moment ago. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6 and here God speaks through the prophet and says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now there's more in the verse, but I want to emphasize that first portion. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know, you've also probably heard this saying that's, that's out in the world. What you don't know won't hurt you. <clears throat> this verse contradicts that. What you don't know can produce a world of hurt for you. What you don't know can keep you in a place of bondage 
to sickness and disease that you do not want to be in. And so we need knowledge. And we don't just need head knowledge, we need revelation knowledge that goes all the way into the depths of our spirit that the eyes of our understanding, as Paul puts it in Ephesians chapter 1, are opened and that we begin to see spiritually this truth. I know, uh, you know, being attacked by the, by the enemy last year and uh, had to wait a good while before, you know, any medical procedure could be done. And, you know, that, that, those waits in those times are not fun, are they? But I really look back and thank God for the time. I don't thank God for sickness. I don't thank God for the test, of course. But I am so grateful that I knew what to do. And I knew that my uh, responsibility was to immerse myself in the Word of God on the subject of divine healing. My, my job was to go through the New Testament, of, actually go through the four Gospels, I knew I needed to do it, at least to do it in the Amplified Bible, which you know makes it longer because there's just more words in the Amplified Bible. And uh, I needed to do that. And then I needed to, uh, also I was looking at good references. One of them was Christ the Healer by F.F. F. Bosworth. And I was just going back and, and looking at this fresh and new, like, I'd, like I would be studying it the very first time. And then I was also listening to teaching, good teaching on the subject of healing. Now, you know, at that particular season, there was no need for me to spend a lot of time trying to figure out who the Antichrist was. It wasn't time for me to uh, spend hours on end uh, looking at financial things, per se. And, you know, I knew it, it wasn't even time for me to necessarily spend a lot of time on how to be a good husband. Since I already was one, I, I didn't. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding there. Just a joke. Because sometimes being a good husband can be a great key to healing. Because if you're a bad one, <laughs> your faith's not going to work. <clears throat> anyway, moving right along. So I, I, uh, I knew that I needed to do this. And what happened over time, my perspective changed. I was a believer in healing. I was a teacher of healing, prayed for many, many people over many years. And so I didn't go into it as an unbeliever, but I came out of that process more of a believer than I ever thought I could be. I came out of that process realizing that from the viewpoint of God, from God's vantage point, if he saw me as saved, he also saw me as healed. Healing was not like, you know, being born again was way up here and healing was way down here. Healing is a secondary issue. That's not how God sees it. But right there is part of the whole package. You know, you eat food and, and you don't necessarily think about all the different ingredients. You turn over the package if it's a packaged product and it may have 20 ingredients. Well, the same thing is true with our salvation. We don't always think about it, but there are more than one ingredient 
in, you know, in this, this thing called salvation. There is, there is the spiritual side, then there is the physical side, there is the material side, there is the side of deliverance, there's the side of protection from danger. All these wonderful things are a part of salvation. But you know, you'll never know all of that if you don't know the Word of God. And if you're just listening to me, and you base your beliefs on, you know, you think, well, he's probably an honest guy, and I believe he's a good guy. And, uh, you know, so I, I, just, I just think that, the, that he's telling the truth. That's not good enough, folks. I hope you do believe what I'm telling you. I don't think you'd be here if you didn't. But the fact is, that's not good enough. You have got to know for yourself. And if you have a lack of knowledge in any area of redemption, you're going to suffer it in that area because you're not going to receive all you need to receive. Let's go to the book of Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. This is a similar verse and a similar thought to what we just read in Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. Isaiah chapter 5. We're going to look at verse number 13. Now I know I'm going slow. You know I'm not up here preaching tonight. We're just, we're just teaching and talking. But uh, these words will bless you, and they'll change your life if you get hold of them. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse number 13. It says, wherefore, I'm sorry, therefore, therefore my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Now think about that. My people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. So one of the ploys of the devil, one of the strategies of the devil against us is to keep us from the knowledge of the truth that will set us free. And so that's one of the first and most major hindrances uh, and roadblocks to divine healing there is, is when we don't have knowledge of the subject. We don't have the truth. It's not going to be good enough in the heat of the battle just to say, I believe in healing. What scriptures do you base that on? You may not be able to memorize every word of it. You might not remember all the, you know, the exact reference. But you should have enough of that in you until when you need it, it comes out. When we're squeezed by the enemy in a time of testing, what comes out should make the enemy let go of us. <laughs> he, he should, when he tangles with you, he should decide, I wish I hadn't done that. Because every test can be turned into a testimony. And that's what the devil does not want to happen. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. So we want to make sure we're not allowing this roadblock to keep us from our healing, the, the lack of knowledge of the Word of God on this subject. And of course, uh, you know the story. Uh, I'm fine. I'm well today. And uh, the lesson that I learned was so valuable and so, so powerful to me. Now, let's look at the second hindrance, moving along. Um, and that is found in the book of Acts chapter 7 and verse 51. And so I want to ask you to turn there in your Bible. Acts chapter 7 and verse 51. Now this may sound a little odd. Uh, maybe you haven't thought about this before. And uh, we're going to read this verse. And this is a part of the message that Stephen gave uh, 
before the council, right before they stoned him. So these words are not words that anybody really wants to hear. But in this verse is one of the major roadblocks that keep people from receiving their healing. So let's read what he said. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. The second great hindrance to divine healing for many, many people is the fact that they, whether they realize it or not, I'm not saying that it's always premeditated and even intentional, but the very attitude that they bring to this situation is one of resistance to the Holy Ghost. A lot of people want a miracle on their own terms. They want it in their own church. They want it through their own minister. They want it through their own uh, situation that they're in. And if you're in the right place, if you're in the right church, if you're in a place where there's a move of the Spirit, then that's entirely possible that it can happen. But what I've seen is that people will stay in churches where they don't teach healing, they don't believe in divine healing as a redemptive right, where the minister is not going to talk about it and they're not going to uh, practice the laying on of hands and those kind of things. And, and people will sit in those churches until they die. And in their mind, they're waiting on God. But in the mind of God, they're resisting the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm not saying they die and go to hell. But they do without the miraculous power of God. Because the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, is the agent of the Godhead in the earth that brings the healing power of God. Even Jesus, when he took upon himself the limitations of a flesh body, had to be anointed by the Holy Ghost. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. We know that that's what the Word says. And so if Jesus depended on the Holy Ghost to minister healing, and you can read in the Gospels where the power of the Lord would be present to heal uh, people, if, if that was so in the ministry of Jesus, then how much more is it so for us in our ministry today? Which, by the way, is just a continuation of the ministry of Jesus. We're the body of Christ. We're not preaching another gospel. We don't bring another spirit, a different spirit to this thing. It's the same Holy Ghost that anointed Jesus and even raised him from the dead that's on the inside of you. And so we cannot afford to resist the Holy Ghost. So how do we make sure we don't? Number one, learn the way of the Spirit. Observe spiritual leaders and spiritual elders who know the way of the Spirit. Observe their reactions to the move of the Spirit. Learn how the, the Spirit moves among His people. I would just call it learn the way of the Spirit. Observe. Be teachable. Don't go to church with your mind made up how God has to do it. And for goodness sake, if you're fighting a physical battle, don't try to put God in your box. And don't be afraid of the Spirit of God. He's not going to hurt you. He's not going to do anything to bring you any harm. 
And I admit, freely admit, that, that if you follow the way of the Spirit, things are not always going to be done just exactly like maybe we have done them in the past, and they're not always going to be done maybe like we think they're going to be done. I'm sure Naaman, the last thing he expected was to be told by the prophet to go jump in the river. The blind man that came to Jesus, I'm sure he did not expect that Jesus would spit on the ground, reach down and take that spit and clay and make that mud clay out of it and then rub it on his eyes and then tell him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And I could go on and on as you could, as, you know, if you read your Bible, there are a lot of different ways that healing is ministered. We have to learn that whatever the Spirit of God is doing at that particular moment, that's what I need to flow with. If your faith is strong enough, if your faith is built and developed enough until you can get your healing without the laying on of hands, get your healing without gifts of the Spirit manifesting, that you can get your healing, uh, you don't even have to be in the church, and all that is possible. And if that's so, then that's wonderful. But here's what you need to know. If what you think you're exercising faith about is not working, then you're not exercising faith. You, you can't keep doing the same thing over and over with no results, thinking that somehow if I do this long enough, finally it'll click over and something will happen. Dr. Lily and B. Yeomans who uh, we mentioned her before, great healing minister. She was a medical doctor. She got addicted to morphine, and she nearly died. She got delivered and set free. She was born again, and she became a spirit-filled ambassador of divine healing, and she had a mighty, mighty ministry of healing. And there's some wonderful books that she wrote, and uh, I, I read uh, one of them just not long ago. I think there's, a, there's four different ones that I'm aware of, and they're just wonderful. Any of them are good. I would encourage you to get them. You can go on Amazon and get them. They're not expensive, just small books. And uh, anyway, um, uh, she ministered divine healing in a powerful way. And she said that if she prayed and nothing happened, she started changing. Because you see, my brother and sister, faith is supposed to work. So if you're praying the same prayer, doing the same thing exactly the same way over and over and over and over again, week after week after week, month after month after month, and nothing has changed, then maybe you're missing something. And maybe you, you might check this. Am I, and, and as I said, it's not like willful. It's not like we're being intentionally evil or something. But you just check this. Am I resisting the Holy Ghost? Are there things he's leading me to do that I'm not doing? Or is there a response in a church service even that I should be doing? You know, if you, like I said, if you can get your healing with, without the laying on of hands, that's wonderful. People do that. But if you need healing and, uh, and, and, and what you're doing is not working at the moment, doesn't appear to be any, any change at all, and then somebody comes along and says, I'm anointed and I'm led of the Lord to lay hands on the sick, then if it were me, I'd go have hands laid on me. I would cooperate with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. 
Learn the way of the Spirit. Observe those who are elders and leaders in the faith and learn the way of the Spirit. And number two, be where the Spirit moves. I kind of touched on this a minute ago, but I want to say it again. If you're in a dead church, you better get out of there. And uh, if you're not called to be the pastor, then you don't have a right to try to change it. One of the things that's hurt the full gospel movement in the last 50 years is a lot of people received the fullness of the Spirit and then went back to a dead church that didn't want the fullness of the Spirit and they tried to change that church and they just caused trouble and split churches. Thank you for your enthusiasm. It's the truth anyhow. It's happened and, and uh, that's not what God wants. Nothing wrong with going to a pastor, a minister, and talking to him about the fullness of the Spirit, talking to them about divine healing. Nothing wrong with taking your Bible and being prepared to show Scripture and, and uh, to state your case, not to argue, not to really debate, but just to state your case. But if, if they won't allow that, don't want you to do that, or if they uh, hear your case and then say, well, I don't believe that, we're not going to have that, what do you do? You better leave. You better leave. And for goodness sake, why would you financially support a dead church? Well, Grandma's buried out in the backyard. Grandma's in heaven. She knows she missed it. <laughs> she knows she should have changed churches too. And if she could come back, she'd tell you, get out of there. One of the reasons I'm in heaven early is because I stayed there. Now we're laughing, and it is humorous, but I'm telling you there are people who are more concerned about their traditions and even family or neighbor connections than they are about getting a hold of God, and it can cost you an early death. It can cost you much pain and suffering in the physical realm. You've got to go where the Spirit is moving. I want to say this, and I mean this with all of my heart. If we had no move of the Spirit here ever, I would leave. <laughs> you, you'd have to find you another pastor. If, if for some reason there was never any move of the Spirit, if there was no flowing and moving of the Holy Ghost, I'd want to go somewhere because I'm hungry for God. I need the, This is my life's blood. Hallelujah. I don't know where I would be. I don't know what condition I would be in if it weren't for constant renewals of the Spirit of God, constantly coming into the presence of God and being quickened by the power of God. Hallelujah. It'll change you. It'll change you. So be where the Spirit moves. And number three, the final one, cooperate, and we've already really talked about this some, cooperate with the Holy Spirit in meetings. Cooperate. Don't, don't, don't sit there or stand there and, and just say, well, Lord, you've got to do it the way I think you should. No, let's just do it the way God wants to do it. Amen. Amen. And, you know, I said before, learning the way of the Spirit, observe leaders. Here I would say follow leaders. Follow leaders. If, if God is leading people who are leaders to do things in a certain way, then follow that. Because fruit will come. <coughs> Excuse me. So let's go to number three. This is the final one. I'm running out of time. The number three hindrance 
or roadblock or barrier to divine healing. And these are, some, these are probably the, the top three, in my estimation, probably the top three things. If you get these right and get these dealt with, you don't allow these things to block you, then there's probably not going to be anything else that can block you. But here it is, number three, you've got to deal with unforgiveness and strife. You have to deal with it. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, excuse me, and you shall have them. But Jesus didn't stop teaching. He didn't stop talking. Many times we quote Mark eleven twenty two, twenty three, twenty four. 23, 24. Those are some of our favorite verses. But Jesus did not stop. He went on in what we have in our Bible is verse 25 and said, And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any. Now that's significant because he didn't say forgive except for the people that are really bad. Or forgive everybody except the ones who, you know, um, cheated you or cheated on you or divorced you or slandered you or cussed you out or stole your money or took, uh, you know, more than they should of the inheritance or, you know, I could go down this list because I've been pastoring so many years, you would not believe the stories that I've heard, real, true stories. And I can tell you that there are many people who have genuinely been wronged. But if you allow somebody else's sin against you and against God, to be held in your heart as an offense, your faith will not work. It's just that simple. Jesus said, if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. James chapter 1 and verse 20 says, The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So it's, it's not just an issue of forgiving but it's also an issue of not allowing wrath or anger to dominate us and our conversations and our attitudes. Christians really should be nice. Amen? Now, there's a time when you have to be firm. There's a time when you have to tell the truth even if it hurts. But, but there is never a time that it's good for a Christian to hold a grudge and to be angry with people about things that, that have already happened. And many of the things that people hold offense about can't be changed now anyway. And sometimes people are actually bound by offenses they have against people that are now dead. A spouse, a parent that's already gone on. They've already died. The situation, whatever they did or didn't do, can't be changed. And I, I, I will say this, many, many of the stories I've heard over the years were true stories. And if we were to just judge, uh, if we took all the, the names out, as the old television show used to say, the names have been changed to protect the innocent. If we took all the names out and just presented the circumstance, you would have to agree. <clears throat> you know, there was somebody in the wrong and there was somebody that was wronged. But it's not what the other person does. It's not what the other person says. It's what you do. And it's what you say. 
Forgiveness does not mean that what they did was okay. And in the case of abuse or potential abuse, God's not expecting you to go back for another round. You don't have, you're not a doormat. God didn't call you as a believer to be somebody's doormat. But the fact is, you and I must be willing to forgive people and leave all judgment to the Lord. All of us in here have been wronged. All of us in here have had our feelings hurt. All of us in here have probably been lied to and lied on. You know, over these years, I've had stories told about, you know, when you're in the ministry, people somehow they, they just, uh, you know, your life is rather an open book and, and everybody's got opinions. And if I took everything I've ever heard said about me to heart, I'd be messed up. And you know what? You probably know some people that are messed up, and that's one of the reasons they're messed up emotionally and mentally is because they're letting their happiness and their peace be stored in somebody else's head. And if you truly have an enemy, they'll mess you up if you allow them to live in your head. So be very careful. Be very careful that you do not allow unforgiveness, bitterness, wrath, or strife to hold you in a place where you can't receive from God. Amen? Now remember, we're not trying to earn our healing. We're not trying to get to the place where God owes us our healing because we're so wonderful and we're so perfect. But what we're doing is trying to remove the barriers that keep us from being in a position to receive our healing. One of the things we've used in this series, and we've been on this now for, I don't know, maybe 8, 10, 12 weeks, but one of the, one of the illustrations we've used is this whole principle of positioning. We talked about the rain, you know, we're not getting rained on inside, but if it were raining out, out there tonight, you'd have to go outside to get into the rain. You'd have to change your position. Well, right now as it stands, there's a barrier the door is a barrier. And so the door has to be moved. You know, it, it opens. It has to move for you to go out. And that's what we're talking about with these three things. Not knowing the will of God for you personally on this subject. The second thing, resisting the Holy Ghost. And number three, unforgiveness and strife. You've got to move those barriers in order to position yourself. And once you remove the barriers, that doesn't mean we're perfect. That doesn't mean God owes us, as I said. But what it means is I'm in a place where I can take advantage of what God graciously offers me. I'm not healed because I'm worthy. I'm not healed because I'm a preacher. I'm not healed because of any other reason than the fact that Jesus took my infirmities and he bare my sicknesses in his own body on the tree. By grace, through faith, I choose to receive what he offers, and it's mine. I have it now. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, our helper, our guide, our teacher. Lord, on a Wednesday night, almost everybody who's here will be somebody that regularly comes here to church. Many of those watching and listening on a Wednesday night, they either come here on Sundays or they go somewhere 
So, Lord, we are preaching to the choir, so to speak. But I pray that you would help us to remember every time we come into your presence, every time we come into your house, that we have an opportunity to feed our faith, release our faith, and build our faith. We have an opportunity to yield to the Holy Ghost. We can resist Him, but we can choose to yield. And then we also always have an opportunity, day by day by day, to walk in forgiveness and to walk in love. To release those who have wronged us, to release those who have offended us, and leave them in your hands and trust you to be the righteous judge that you are and go free from their offense. Go free from what they did, free from what they said, and walk in the newness of life that Jesus offers. Give us revelation insight into this, I pray. Help us to understand. And Lord, we covenant with you. Now in a moment, you'll have a chance to say amen. But listen carefully to what I'm going to say. And if you can agree with me, then you can say amen. Father, we covenant with you to be doers of the word we've heard here tonight.